Hello and welcome to the MIT Press Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Gondek, and today I'm speaking to Anne Graziano and Ellie Keller, the editors of Thresholds Journal, a journal from the Department of Architecture and Art at MIT, and which is published and distributed by the MIT Press. Anne Graziano is a student of architecture, artist, and editor. She's currently a Master of Architecture candidate and graduate fellow at MIT. Her studies focus on representation and circulation of architecture and architectural knowledge as it pertains to digital and physical infrastructures. Ellie Keller is an architect, researcher, and author. is currently pursuing a PhD in history, theory, and criticism of architecture and art at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. He has served as a research assistant for the Harvard Mellon Urban Initiative and was a member of the Berlin Portal Research Group. Stay tuned after the interview for more information about the show. And Graziano and Ellie Keller, thanks for being on the MIT Press podcast today. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, thanks for having us. Now, Threshold has been around since 1992, but it's a journal probably not known to the general reader. Could you talk about the journal's mission and who its audience has been? Yeah, so uh, Threshold is the departmental, now peer-reviewed journal of the Department of Architecture uh, at MIT. Uh, it was founded in 1992 as a monthly zine by two students, Leah McGavern and Alona Nitsan Shiftan, who were the first edit- editors. Um, and they were kind of looking to uh, strengthen the communication and foster more dialogue, both within the department and within the larger architectural community. So they were kind of looking to join the different uh, voices within the independent groups within the department and um, kind of foster this, this dialogue between discrete groups while looking outside. Um, after 10 issues, the zine became a journal, and then after 40 issues, it really transformed into what it is today, which is a much more uh, massive, peer-reviewed, kind of almost book-like uh, document with anywhere between 200 and, in our case, about 370 pages, peer-reviewed articles, work by students, um, and all that. And, and lately... Uh, from the 45th issue, which was the issue last year, uh, called Myth. Um, the, the journal was kind of taken up by MIT Press in terms of its distribution and um, kind of why, I guess, why we're, we're uh, on this podcast. Um, so in terms of its mission, like I mentioned, there was a kind of initial mission to, to do some work within MIT, within the discrete groups. But by now, I think that Thresholds has become kind of a, I wouldn't say a trendsetter, but it's a substantial uh, journal within the architectural community. It's the only peer-reviewed journal that is edited by students within uh, architectural um, journals. So it, it tries to take up kind of essential issues that are on our minds, on the minds of the department, um, on the minds of what we identify as kind of prominent or um, up and coming scholars and kind of tap into those while expanding to new, somewhat undiscovered realms. Uh, And going on with that, uh, when one takes a look at the request for submissions, you go to the Thresholds website, I was struck by the fact that you're looking just not necessarily for submissions on architecture. It seems like there's a much broader swath of topics that you want to cover from the submissions. Is that fair? Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, one of the biggest things that the journal aims to discuss is topics related to art and architecture, um, which also might we might get into. Um, it's like kind of discussing 
where it circulates um, and, and kind of what the audience is. Um, but yeah, I think related to, again, like Ellie mentioned, it, the initial aims of the journal were, was to um, discuss relevant issues or timely issues to the discipline. And today, again, is like kind of to say what might be um, the, the pressing uh, topics today that, that the journal should discuss within uh, the realm of architecture and art. Yeah, and to, to add to that, I think it's kind of reflecting of the nature of, of MIT in general, so to speak, in the sense that there are all these discrete departments. It, it's a technological-oriented institute. So you have people around us all the time that are not necessarily architecture and art-oriented. I mean, the, the, the journal comes out of the history and theory of art and architecture group within uh, the architecture department at MIT. Um, but you can see also in previous issues that there's like a very strong focus on uh, STS, Science Technology Society. There's like anthropological studies in there. So we're really trying to kind of get architecture outside of the realm of just building and design and kind of show through the journal how it can communicate with other disciplines and how other disciplines are always uh, incorporated in whatever it is that, that architecture is. Now, you mentioned uh, that issue 45 was about myth, and this is issue 46. Theme for this issue is scatter. How did you decide on this theme, and what does it mean? We kind of, again, kind of a few things we've already touched on, which is uh, the the reach or the role of student journals. Um, we first started by asking, uh, especially with related to thresholds history, um, and it not being maybe the most well-known journal, um, if we're going to be producing, say, uh, like a, a, a product of scholarship, uh, what's the point of doing that if it isn't really actually read or kind of circulates or gets around? So um, Scatter really kind of started asking this question and seeing through, you know, how could both the content of the journal discuss how the ways in which architecture and architectural knowledge gets around um, the different medias and modes, um, and then also treat our own issue and topic, uh, the book itself, as as um, a case study. So like, how can we try to circulate the, the particular issue in, say, new ways or extend its reach better? So this is where we kind of started a whole platform of social medias, um, trying to reconsider how architectural knowledge in prior journals um, might be able to kind of become more accessible, get around in new ways, um, and then kind of therefore allowing the reach of the journal to, to, to extend. Yeah, and it, it kind of touches a lot on um, architectural education in general, because Anne is in uh, in the MARC program and I'm in the PhD program and I've been trained as an architect. And it kind of seems that um, we're mostly preoccupied um, in kind of communicating our designs to the inner crowd in a way. So to professors or to potential employers or to our peers. But the reality is that most people that experience architecture or think about it, not necessarily in academic terms, are not architects. And there are so many ways in which architecture is communicated not by architects to other people. So whether it's through, uh, you know, images of buildings on stamps or in Bibles or just on, on our money, um, they appear in, in popular journals, they appear in film, um, they come out in like... Um, set designs or in, in musical references. So all these things are ways that architecture kind of appears in our life. 
but not necessarily by architects. So we kind of wanted to, to create this almost like a manifesto or call for action to kind of uh, make architects and architecture scholars think about the ways that architecture moves around the world in unexpected ways. And that kind of goes back to the introductory essay in Issue 46, where the two of you talk about this idea of architecture as physical building versus architecture as an idea. Was that the topic? Is that were they kind of the main ideas, the thrust of where you wanted to go? And then let's see how different people deal with this idea of not only how architectural ideas are disseminated through non-traditional means, but also the fact to be, make people begin to think about, well, there is a difference between a building which is stationary and there versus the idea of being able to look at a building and be experiencing the architecture from a non-physical way. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it, it really touches on a lot of things that we wanted to to look at. And of course, we were also kind of uh, surprised by some of the submissions um, that kind of took what we uh, as editors formulated in our call for papers and really took it to unexpected places. And we're super happy about that. Um, and it's not only, you know, when you say idea, then it already goes to some quasi-philosophical, perhaps, place. But sometimes it's much simpler than that. It's just, I think, one of the, the essays that we really, really like that is both a kind of rigorously academic and, and even quantitative in its analysis, but both also demonstrates a lot of uh, graphic representation of, of what it talks about, is this essay about stamps in, in uh, East Germany and how specific buildings appeared on stamps in the 60s, 70s, and 80s in East Germany and kind of cultivated the image of the nation through stamps. Now, the, the building does the same thing, but it's only there for the people who are there to see it. But the stamp reaches every person in their mailbox, especially in you know pre-email uh, uh, environment. And then you're exposed to an architectural object in, in the image on a daily basis. And it, it operates on you, on your psyche, on your thinking, on your ideology in a much, not necessarily stronger or weaker way, but completely different way than a building does. But it's still very much related to the architecture of that building. These discussions that we're seeing that you brought out as far as the articles at uh, issue 46 it made me wonder, you know, you don't really see these discussions of architecture in the general population or general, you surely don't see it like you walk down to your grocery store, oh look, there's the magazine to act, and look, there's thresholds talking about the ideas and how uh, it, uh, ideas of architecture, actual buildings are disseminated and what's behind it. Is it that it's a difficult topic to write for for the general audience, so really only specialists could be interested, or is it just that when you looked at it, it's like, actually, it's not that hard to necessarily explain, it's just that nobody's really thought about making an issue like this before? This is like kind of the same question we asked ourselves in in deciding on scatter as the topic. Um, it's the same kind of question as asking if we're interested in reading, like, say, a medical journal. Um, you know, it's it's like whether the we can't assume that everyone in the world is interested in talking about architecture or architectural knowledge or objects of, say, architectural thought. Um, but at least trying to, I think, consider what and the content of this journal kind of does this is like looking at like Ellie mentioned, you know, moments in history, the stamping an example where architecture took on different forms in order to kind of achieve or or gain a new type of agency. 
So what then might be in looking back of forms that this could take on where, yeah, it could it could take on that form in a grocery store today or, you know, social media is, I think is a, is a, a silly, but maybe obvious example of where um, certain image images of architecture or, or um, maybe abbreviated forms of architecture are more easily accessible. Um, but, but yeah, that, 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 that is definitely the question that we kind of aim to consider in this. Yeah. And I think it's important to remember that at least in our assumption, the, the kind of um, let's say not, thinking about things, again, in terms of whether they do a good job or a bad job, but kind of what job do they do? What kind of work do they do? We fully understand that, you know, an academic journal has its own strength. It has its own limitations. There's a certain structure to how an academic paper needs to be written and footnotes, which makes it already opaque to some crowds, right? And impenetrable in certain ways, but very approachable to different kinds of crowds. And it, it also produces a kind of knowledge that is valid in ways that other forms of knowledge are not. Um, and we are, in a way, both limited and liberated by the fact that Thresholds is uh, the journal that it is, that it comes from uh, established, important Department of Architecture uh, that is peer-reviewed with all the complications that that uh, implies. But then we're freed by kind of the flexibility of what thresholds tries to be. And with this specific topic of speaking about things and trying to communicate things that are not necessarily the daily, uh, let's say, subject of, of thought for, for architects themselves or even people who study architecture. So I think we we both try to kind of benefit and, and utilize what the journal does as a journal and within that kind of create this content that will challenge both the things that are actually in the journal and the way people actually think about their daily practice, whether it's scholarship or design. You know, it's funny because I was looking at my next question. You've, I've addressed new media, such as a podcast like this. And listening to you guys talking, I was wondering, you know, if we did this in 10 years, if we did the same show, or in 15 years, we went back and looked at Scattered. I wondered how, if we take a look at, say, um, the possible development of virtual reality in the next 10 to 20 years, whether if we were to take the scattered idea and I guess begin to look at mediums in where somebody could access these things less from reading and more from an actual visual central point of view, whether it would be harder or easier to communicate these ideas, whether easier simply because they could see it or harder because there might be a, uh, there'd be such a visual element and such a central element that it might overwhelm more some of the analytic parts of it. Uh yeah, I think that, that that's a great question and, and circles back to something Ellie mentioned in his previous comment having to do with losses and gains. Um, and ultimately, in considering kind of AR, VR image, what, um, say, a visual literacy uh, offers versus the written word. So a few things we found uh, or you could, you could consider as far as social medias goes is um, uh, the image might be more accessible or be able to kind of communicate something uh more broadly, perhaps, but also kind of the written word has a certain kind of uh, specificity or maybe clarity to it. Uh, but also, you know, and again, it, it, it's interesting because there's a certain kind of like duality or fluctuation between what, say, the image might provide versus versus the word for sure. Yeah. And it's it's interesting that you actually brought up uh, VR while we were on a podcast, because I think those two platforms 
uh, or those two media were things that we specifically looked into and we had conversations both with people who uh, make podcasts and people who investigate podcasts, specifically uh, in relation to, to architecture, to urban space, as well as a kind of project that um, a colleague of ours is working on about kind of visualizing um, texts through VR. So those things just happen to not be uh, in the journal in the end, but but definitely um, the idea of, you know, sound, image, experience, kind of all of those things obviously are very architectural and we were uh, constantly thinking and, and continue to think, I think both in our respective paths um, <laughs> as to how to think of architecture in those terms as well, not only through text or not only through building, but also through visual experience, through oral experience and so on. Mm -hmm. So how can people learn about the journal and access its content? So, I mean, the traditional way, you know, people that, that know about it, know about it, and it has a pretty large base of subscriptions. And now that MIT Press has taken the role of distributor um, and publisher, then then they have their own kind of system of, of letting people know, including this podcast, obviously. Um, but we've been pretty diligent from the beginning, both with the call for papers and kind of through the process of making our presence known in the sense of our, there's a specific Facebook page for Scatter, there's an Instagram profile, there's a Twitter. Um, for people in academia, the journal is also going to be available through uh, the JSTOR platform and the MIT Press uh, Journal's website. And we're having a kind of a uh, unique launch event this Saturday, May 5th. If the podcast goes on before, everyone's welcome to join. Um, and then we're also working slowly on a kind of web platform that will be a sort of scattering endeavor in itself, in the sense that it will both throw you to uh, different discrete parts of the journal randomly and to other things that are related online and hopefully uh it will also expose people to some of the work that the kind of great work that we received in the call for papers but weren't able to include in the journal whether because we just decided to go a different way or whether because some of the work was just not um oriented for a journal like a video or anything like that and Graziano and ellie keller the editors of issue 46 of thresholds journal thanks for being on the mit press podcast today Thanks so much for having us, Chris. Yeah, Chris, thanks. For more information about this and other journals, you can always visit our website at www.mitpressjournals.org. Don't forget you can find the MIT Press on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening to this episode of the MIT Press podcast. Copyright 2018, the MIT Press, all rights reserved.